This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Global Education Pact is the next major push for the powers that be in the Vatican. And while it is true that Rome just completed the documents and work of its bizarre Amazon Synod, and have in the process sown much confusion and consternation among the laity, no break was taken in the promotion of Francis's agenda. LifeSite News released an interview with one of the central organizers for the coming Global Education Pact meeting to take place on May 14th, and some interesting details have emerged including news of some kind of unspecified ecumenical meeting of world religious leaders to take place on May 13th, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Interestingly enough, a part of a different message of Our Lady comes to mind here, at least in my mind. The Church will be full of those who accept compromises. That is a sort of chilling warning from Our Lady of Akita that keeps coming back up these days. So let's go over let's go over this interview that was conducted for LifeSite because this global education compact is the next big event. Assuming that the Vatican doesn't delay the event because of the viral outbreak in Italy, that is at this moment the cause of many events getting shut down, including in the Vatican. LifeSite News sat down with Archbishop Vincenzo Zani, secretary of the Congregation for Catholic Education. The man most unfortunately tasked with running the Global Education Pact event to be held starting in May at the Vatican. The interview is revealing, to say the least. According to Archbishop Zani, the event was organized with the heads of the other global religions, including Judaism, Islam, and Buddhism. The thing is this, though. Those religions don't have a global head. There hasn't been a high priest of Judaism since AD 70, and the Supreme Caliph of Islam was deposed in 1924. Now, if I had to guess who he means from the world of Islam, I'd have to guess that Archbishop Zani means the same figure who signed the Abu Dhabi statement, Sheikh Ahmed El Taib, the Grand Imam of Al-Hazar. As you'll recall, that document caused quite the controversy because it promoted the concept human fraternity, which sounds like it comes straight out of the lodge. And if you're not familiar with that document, I have it recorded on this channel. Just ask in the comments and somebody, probably myself, will find it and link it to you. But according to Archbishop Zani, it was leaders from the other religions that asked for this meeting and work on the Global Education Pact, as well as Francis, as if they had a sort of unified recognition of the need to promote Francis's vision of the new humanism together or something. If Sheikh Ahmed Al-Taib is announced to be involved in the near future, don't be surprised. I could be wrong, though. But the underlying theological beliefs going into the meeting are important here because they sound alien to the Catholic faith. That's not surprising, given the ecumenical nature of the meeting. Think logically about it for a moment. If you are the head of Christianity in the eyes of the non-Christian world, and you are trying to accomplish the same global goal with the heads of other religions, compromises on the visions of the relationship between man and God will be necessary. This might actually be one of the reasons the Church previously condemned ecumenism of this kind. 
But anyway, here's the excerpt from the LifeSite interview relevant to this. Quote, But the request came from the other monotheistic religions because they said, here we have a reference point. And that is why the Pope, in the message with which he launched the initiative, invites everyone, but he makes reference to the need to launch a new humanism. With the heads of religions, there will be a special moment for them in the Sistine Chapel on May 13th, with an artistic and cultural event that intends to reflect on Michelangelo's depiction of creation, in which we see the finger of God encounters the finger of man, but they do not touch. In this depiction of the creation, we see God who gives man strength, liberty, and life, but leaves him free. It is an encounter of freedom where there is a presence of God that does not crush man, but frees him. He launches him in his responsibility. Here we have two very important concepts. Christian idea is that of creation, and it is not only Christian. The idea belongs to the three monotheistic religions. Therefore, that is a very important root. The rest comes from it. It is a centrality of the person. God creates, but then withdraws. He leaves man saying, go. End quote. It is at this point that the interviewer pointed out that this doesn't exactly sound like the Christian understanding of creation. While not saying as much, what was described sounds closer to deism than to Christianity. The interviewer reminds the archbishop that as Christians, we believe in God's supernatural activity in the world. To that, the archbishop replied, quote, Yes, but in the moment when God creates man, he gives him intelligence, heart, and the capacity for activity, and he tells him, Go. Then at a certain point he says, Where is your brother? Therefore, God does not withdraw. He is there, but he doesn't want to replace man. And so in the moment of creation, this is particularly Christian because Christianity has its own specific vision. At a certain point, God sees man disoriented, and he sends his son, the Incarnation. At this point, then, we find the specifically Christian dimension, where God himself becomes nothing in order to elevate humanity. This is the new humanism. This is the new humanism. That is, it is the humanism that gets back on its feet, resumes the journey of relationship to God, doesn't cut off this relationship, but strengthens it. And especially, since man is made in the image and likeness of God, this impression of God in the soul of man has to be understood and developed. God is not made in my image. I am made in the image of God. What is God? God is love. God is agape. God is relation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinitarian dimension of God. This is the foundation of freedom and relationship and of giving one's life for the other. If we want to go to the heart of education from a particularly Christian point of view, we have to go to the Trinitarian root. End quote. Okay, I'm sure that statement will cause a lot of debate and discussion about the state of things in Rome. The interviewer presses Archbishop Zani on the question of what will the role of the other religions be at this conference. He responds that they will be there to listen, observe, and to say that everyone in the world has an important task. He then flips the focus to Francis, saying that he doesn't want to be the focus of power in the Global Education Pact, but instead to put the considerable educational resources of the Catholic Church at the service of the world to achieve a common goal. The Archbishop says, and I quote, And so this is how we conceive of the educational pact. But we need to agree because we have a global problem, the care of creation, of the future of the world. Therefore, education is an important tool for responding to the many challenges that we have today. In that sense, the Pope will invite the representatives of religions and other bodies to sign a manifesto with the fundamental principles of education for the future. End quote. It's at this point that I want to remind you of a video I did a week or two ago, where it was revealed that Jeffrey Sachs offered to raise $26 billion every year to make this happen. 
Sachs is a famous promoter of the global ecological crisis and has consistently advocated for positions that run contrary to Catholic faith, including population control and the like. This is the next major push for the Vatican, and it cannot be overlooked. Keep in mind the role men like Sachs will play in this. In fact, if he does show up at the meeting, and I'm betting he will, think of him as the high priest of Mammon. Anyway, with that said, the interviewer asked Archbishop Zani, who drew up the official documents for the Education Pact meeting, and this was his response to that, quote, A group of experts has been working on it for over a year. It has been already been well prepared, end quote. Ominous these words these days, and again, I have to ask if Sachs was involved in this like he was in the preparations for the Amazon Synod. Again, this has been in the works for over a year. It is the next major push for the church. A major theme will be combating the climate crisis, the marginalization of peoples, violence, and the typical things we hear from the leadership in Rome when they speak on secular topics, which is most of the time, frankly. The meeting is being funded by foundations, which again brings Sachs to mind, and it's promoting the typical secular problems being combated in a way that I'm certain the organizers would call Catholic, meaning that the values of the faith and some vague understanding of universal humanistic values are being used to combat these issues in service of all humanity. The one sign of hope is that apparently Francis wants to emphasize the role of family in the society as its building block. That is straight out of centuries of Catholic social teaching. But again, who knows what this will look like in practice. The interviewer asked if the church was ready to teach this to the world. Here's Zanny's response. Quote, right now we are talking about the global education pact, which is not the universal Big Bang. It's a special moment when the church, after a very clear reflection, we will launch a commitment to education. It's obvious that on all four of these themes that we mentioned before, the vision has to be translated into something concrete. What do human dignity and rights mean? And this is already one point we need to think over in terms of our vision and the vision of others. Ecology, but not an abstract ecology. An integral ecology that takes into consideration the whole person. Peace, the discussion on peace, the differences, being citizens in a world of tension. What are the elements that will help us to be citizens of this world, but ones who also propose and don't just undergo. Solidarity is the fourth aspect. There is also service and availability, but also here we have very clear ideas. End quote. And apparently, the rights of parents to raise their children may be emphasized as well, which if you've been paying attention has been a point of contention lately in the secular world. So you can maybe consider that a positive theme as well, though again, we'll see. So here we are. The Global Education Compact will kick off in Rome on May 14th, beginning the day prior on the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima with an ecumenical event, which seems like a bad idea to me. But then again, I tend to be paranoid about these things. But let me know what you think about this. To be clear, this is absolutely the next big push in Rome. And frankly, I don't know why I'm the only one talking about this right now, aside from a couple of LifeSite News reporters. You'd think uniting the church's international and educational resources to those of unnamed foundations most likely linked to the fundraising efforts of a population control advocate in order to promote a new global understanding of humanism might be important to talk about. But anyway, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Please pray for the church and unite your Lenten sacrifices for her cleansing. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.